Hello and good morning, everyone. Only Positivity here. I have my coffee with me, ready to kick off the 14th podcast on this playlist that I'm looking to launch called Elevated Thoughts. So, you know, before diving into the book, um, just want to level set on what I'm doing here. So, you know, as I endeavor upon pursuing knowledge and life experience in this next phase of life, you know, through reading, fitness, traveling, photography, etc., one habit that I've really formed, like I said, is reading. So this podcast essentially goes through some of the books that I've been reading as of late, taking those lessons learned and applying them to experiences in my life. So before jumping into the book today, I'm going to go ahead and start off with our story. So another story here on um, uh, the, the homeless, right, in Chicago. So, um, you know, going to school and growing up in Chicago, I had a lot of experiences with homeless people, um, nothing abrasive, uh, nothing too weird or negative, um, but experiences nonetheless. Most of them are lighthearted. So um, today has uh, today's story has more to do with um, the red line, right? The the Chicago Transit Authority's train system. So you know, one day I'm going from my apartment um, to to class downtown. So I take the red line. I'm on the red line, and um, as I get off, there's this homeless guy um, who's you can tell like he's he he wants something from me, right? He wants money or something like that. But got my headphones in, um, not necessarily paying attention paying attention to him. I kind of just brush him off. So anyway, so I notice he's um, he's still talking to me, um, even though you know I kind of just brush him off. So I take off my headphones and I say, you know, hey, what's going on? So he says, um, uh, you know, I, I could really use some food, man. Um, would you mind just getting me some food? And I was like, you know what? I'm actually um, headed to to McDonald's right now. You know, it's early in the morning. Um, and I was planning to go get a like an Egg McMuffin or something like that. Right. So, you know, I tell the guy like, yeah, you know, hey, I'm headed to McDonald's. Um, you know, most of the items on the menu are, are pretty cheap, you know, under three, four dollars. So why not? Right. Come on. Come with me. So um, I'm walking with this guy and then I, I finally let him know that I'm headed to McDonald's. Right. So he sees us like about to approach McDonald's and, and he says, you know, what, man, I'm, I'm actually thinking, um, can you take me to Subway? I, I want that five dollar foot long. And I'm like, you know, well, you're pretty picky right now, like for someone who doesn't have any options. Right. So I, I say that. And he's like and he's like, I was like, you know, I'm going to McDonald's, man. I'm sorry. And he's like, no, let's go to Subway. And. I'm like, dude, no, I'm going to McDonald's. And then he goes, fuck you. And I go, okay. And then he walks away from me. And I'm like, so you'd rather have nothing um, as opposed to, you know, uh, an Egg McMuffin? Like you were dead ass on getting Subway? But whatever, th- that that one confused me like crazy. Like he just um, got all up in arms because I didn't want to go to Subway. Like I'm not going to eat a $5 foot long for breakfast, you know, but whatever. So, um yeah, definitely took that one um, with with humor, but a little bit of an interesting story. <laughs> so anyway, coming back to um, uh, the the book for today, right? And so we're gonna go through part three of Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. So like I said, the book is written in two parts. Um, the first part goes through Viktor Frankl's experience within the concentration camp during the Holocaust. The second part goes through human psychology as it's related to traumatic experiences, right? And like I, like I say in all of the uh, reviews about this particular book is that what I love about it is that it really shows us how no matter the scenario, we as humans are positioned to be resilient if we choose to do so. Um, so going into the first quote um, that I highlighted for today, uh, Victor Fonkel says, it did not really matter 
what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. So, you know, not to, I don't want to go too deep into that quote, but one thing that I personally believe um, is that setting expectations for anything, for life, for your relationship, really um, doesn't set you up for success, right? Um, it puts um, a benchmark um, that if someone doesn't reach it, uh, it leads to someone being upset or somewhat of a negative interaction, right? So um, thinking about the things that we expect from life, right? What 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 would so- someone like me expect from life, right? Um, I expect to, let's say I expect to get a good job or um, I expect to, you know, have a certain level of comfort in life and things like that. Um, but do I ever think about what life expects from me, right? Am I supposed to be doing something more than I'm doing now? Um, am I, am I, am I being someone who, if I were to look at myself later, would be proud of, right? Or someone, or third party, right? Would that person be proud of me, um, based on the interactions I'm conducting? Things like that. So nothing, no, not too much context on that one, but just an interesting way to, um, gain a perspective on life, right? It doesn't really matter what we expect from life, rather what life expects from us. Um, second quote here. Life ultimately means taking responsibility to find the right answer to its problems and to fulfill the tasks which it constantly sets for each individual, okay? So let's break that one down, okay? So life ultimately means taking responsibility to find the right answer to its problems, okay? So um, a a lot of times we we can get down when something negative happens to us, right? We can say, oh man, like why is this happening to me, Um, you know? you know, I shouldn't have done this, you know, I shouldn't have gone out and then it wouldn't have happened to me. Or, you know, um, just, just, you know, kind of having that self-pity, right? When something negative occurs, you tend to blame something else. But when something positive occurs, you tend to take all the credit, right? So life ultimately means taking responsibility to find the right answer to its problems. Now, I've used this example before, right? Let's say I, I have a poor interaction with someone at work, okay? Um, it goes south, it becomes explosive, whatever. What me personally, what I'll do is take responsibility um, for that whole interaction, right? I'll say, you know what? Maybe I could have came at it differently. Maybe I could have kept my cool a little bit more, right? Everything is in my control. And once it's in my control, I, I, I relieve a lot of stress, right? Because we tend to worry about the things that aren't in our control, right? But once you put things in your control, that stress is relieved or alleviated, right? But now, Let's let's go to the second part of that quote. Life ultimately means taking responsibility to find the right answer to its problems and to fulfill the tasks which it constantly sets for each individual. Okay? So life is going to throw things at us and some of it's going to be expected, some of it's going to be unexpected, some of it's going to be positive and some of it's going to be negative. But we have to tackle them either way, right? Despite the nature, that's an obstacle for us to overcome. Okay? And one thing to note also is that all of these tasks, they differ from person to person, moment to moment, right? Um, so the, the, the tasks that I have to accomplish in my day-to-day or in my life are going to be very different than even the ones that my fiancé has to overcome or, my, or my, my siblings or my parents or my grandparents, right? Every person has their own personal legend like we saw from the alchemist. And it, like I said, it's personal. It's different from person to person. So what that really leads into is that questions about life, and Viktor Frankl says this, questions about life cannot be answered 
by sweeping statements or generalities, right? There's no overarching goal in life, right? There's no there's no definitive goal in life. Um, and that's why you can't answer the question of life with just a general statement. It's specific to each person. So going off that notion, uh, Viktor Frankl says, no man or destiny can compare itself to another man or destiny. Every situation is different, right? And they don't repeat themselves. So each situation also calls for a different response, right? And it goes back to what I was talking about in the previous podcast, where you can't really judge someone's reaction to something unless you really, truly, objectively put yourself in their shoes, right? But also talking about um, keeping up with the Joneses, right? There's a lot of times where I'll see people on LinkedIn starting companies or, um, you know, I'll see some of my friends who are in a band or something like that, really killing it. And um, it's like, I'm like, you know, I, I wish I had some kind of like huge endeavor like that. Um, that was my own that I could really dive into. And I'm, I'm looking for that right now, right? I'm constantly looking for something I can really just dive into with all my heart. But one thing I have to remind myself of is my life journey is different than that person's life journey, right? I have a different calling than that person has. My route is going to be different than that person. Just because it, they appear to be fulfilled doesn't mean they are. They could be, and rightfully so. But that also doesn't mean if I took their path that I would be fulfilled as well, right? So um, really, really choosing to build your own compass, find your own path, and make it your own, right? Brand yourself that way. But anyway, like I said, I'm no guru. Um, just some of the things I'm filling in, uh, reading in between the lines with when I read these books, right? So anyway, um, moving on. So like I said, no man or destiny can compare itself to another man or destiny. But now let's say even when a man's destiny contains some suffering in it, right? Um, talking about, let's say, the um, Victor Frankl's experience in the Holocaust, his destiny definitely had some suffering in it okay but talking we talked about this in the last podcast as well but that person must realize that their suffering is unique so no one can suffer in their place or relieve that person of their suffering okay um so this this opportunity this this the the opportunity to suffer okay really provides an individual a unique way to bear their burden, right? So, let's bring it back to myself. I wouldn't want anyone to have to have suffered the way I suffered. Not that I had any excruciating suffering, but I wouldn't want anyone to have gone through my struggle for me because my struggle has brought me to where I am today, and I'm very happy with who I am today, and my struggle is a huge integral part of that personal legend okay it gives me purpose because i know what it was like i know what it felt like i overcame it it gives me purpose to keep pushing forward right so like i always say this this book is about a a concentration camp and there's a lot of extreme examples of it and sometimes it's tough to relate it to an example um, within our day-to-day but what i equate suffering um to is even getting through a tough work day or a tough day in general okay so there may be a lot of it to get through, okay? There might be a lot of minutiae throughout their, your day, or there might be a lot of negative interactions throughout your day. But when we take out any of those emotions that we might be feeling regarding that, we realize we really have no choice but to just power through it, right? Like we talked about in The Alchemist. So 
like a person can either accept their fate, they can change it, or they can remove themselves from that situation. So once you do that, based on a situation that you're in, you ask yourself those three questions, you really only come up with an action plan, right? And and that takes all emotion out of the situation. But let's use another example, right? Let's, so let's say let's say I, I personally, you know, have an issue. I have a, an issue, let's say, at work, um, in my relationship, with my family. I have something logistically go wrong in my apartment. Let's say all of these things occur on one day, right? The, I think the, the tact comes in when... I, I view the situation or the lens through which I view the situation. So am I going to see that day as today's challenge that I need to step up for? Am I going to get excited about it? Or am I going to succumb to it, right? Am I going to start being negative? Am I going to start throwing a tantrum? Am I going to let that ooze um, out of me into my relationships? Am I going to be a negative presence or am I going to be a positive presence? So bringing it back to the book um, and, and kind of veering off that point. There was a strict rule in the in the in the Nazi camp that if anyone attempted to kill themselves, nobody could help, right? Nobody could um, interfere with a suicide attempt. And so he used an example of a man who was trying to hang himself from a tree, and no one could cut him down. He was left there for the whole day. Um, and if they they did try to cut him down, they would be reprimanded. So Viktor Frankl saw this as an opportunity, right? Since that since no one could interfere with a suicide attempt, he had to get to these people before they um, committed to the suicide attempt, right? So what, one, one way he would do this is really informing prisoners that, that life was expecting something from them, right? Even though their expectations of life might have dwindled, life was still expecting something from them. And going forward, that expectation was something that only that person could fulfill right? Whether it's a child or a spouse worth surviving for. That's that's something only that individual can accomplish. Or the, like one's life work, right? A manuscript, um, a textbook, a thesis. That is one thing only that individual can complete, okay? So this uniqueness, this individuality gave people meaning throughout that time, right? This idea that, that they were the only ones who could do this kept many people from killing themselves, as Viktor Frankl puts it, um, right? Tying back to the personal legend, it's a journey that is specific to only one person. Okay, and but but what he what he says about that is when you are when you when you harness your individuality, it also leads to creativity. Okay, so I'm gonna attempt to use this like long-winded story, but hopefully you guys follow me. Um, so. So, you know, I grew up in a lot of different competitive environments, okay? So using a, a personal story here. So, you know, I played soccer competitive, competitively throughout my life. Um, I was in orchestra competitively throughout my life. Boy Scouts. Um, I, um, I had to perform well in school. I had to be religious. Um, and also, you know, the nuances of Indian culture. So let's dive into those a little bit. So in terms of soccer, um, it was always expected of us that we were on the best teams, we were starters, um, and we always had to play well, right? So always being on varsity throughout high school, um, always starting on varsity throughout high school, always playing well in every match, right? So that was one expectation that, that my, my parents or my father specifically would strictly enforce. But let's talk about orchestra, moving on to orchestra. 
So always having to be in the top tier orchestras, right? Um, as a freshman, you're in this orchestra called Concert One. Um, and then sophomore through senior year, the highest orchestra is Chamber Strings, right? And there are vigorous um, auditions that you have to go through that you're practicing for months and months on. And it comes to this one moment where all your nerves are running. Um, and for someone who hasn't experienced the, the hardships of life just yet, that's that's pretty that's pretty grueling, okay? Um, but all first world. But there was also this um, this this competition within um, uh, orchestra district wise, state wise. That was called um, IMEA, right? Illinois Music Education Association or something like that. So there was hundreds of kids that would meet at a high school, right? And you would go there at like 4 p.m. and not leave till 10, right? And you'd, there's auditions going on the whole time. And then you're waiting in a line to go into this audition room. One room is for your scales. Another is for the piece that you have been practicing to audition with. So you're doing, you're, that's, a, that's an all-day thing, and only a few get selected, right? Um, and there's pressure to make that. Let's talk, let's talk about this activity called solo ensemble, right? Where you're performing solo pieces or you're with an ensemble and you're getting rated on one to three. Um, I also took a lot of private lessons so every week I would have to go to, um, you know, this, this Asian dude's house um, and we, he would, he would, you know, elevate my musicianship throughout that time. Um, so there's a, you know, there's a lot to do. Boy Scouts, right? Boy Scouts, um, pressure, like have to be an Eagle Scout, right? Luckily that, that was one, you know, I, I don't regret it, but it was a, a committed process, right? Um, becoming an Eagle Scout, you know, in terms of grades, performing in school, you know, always have to be on the, the honor roll, the high honor roll. Um, being religious, knowing a lot of scripture, a lot of verses, speech competitions, and even Indian culture in general, right? Like you have to appease your parents. Um, you have to appease your grandparents, the community, have a kid, have your kids grow up religiously. And you're kind of competing with other people your age to like show how Indian you really are, right? But these are all great goals, right? And I, I don't, and I'm, I'm very fortunate that I, you know, exceeded in a lot of areas growing up. Um, and I think they really set me up for a solid foundation as an adult. And these are all amazing goals, right? But your one thing to note is that your individuality, your ability to be unique, is something that nobody can compete with, right? Nobody can do you the way you do it, okay? Um, so that's something to think about. So, like, let's say, for example, like, what I'm doing right here, right, with this podcast with you guys, um, like, nobody, n nobody can... Um, view this book the way I do it. Nobody can review this book the way I do it, right? And only I can experience this book the way I would experience it. So that's something no one else can compete with, right? That's my own and my own only. Um, so, you know, right, went down a little bit of a weird path, but um, hopefully the story resonates. I also believe, right, I also believe that excess competition will lead to a lack um, of fulfillment or even resentment, right? So when you, when you compete, you're often doing things for the end result, right? To win, as, as opposed to the action of actually doing it, right? So, so let me use another example, right? So I have a good buddy of mine. He's one of, my, one of my good friends. So the guy can play all types of instruments, right? He can play the acoustic guitar, the electric guitar, the drums, He's good with editing videos. Um, he can sing, like so many things, right? The guy is just like a, a musician, okay? So so one day he's teaching me how to play 
the the acoustic guitar okay and so i i grew up um in orchestra right so i grew up reading treble clef and alto clef and so he so I'm, I'm asking him uh, what note is that like what what chord is that is that like an f sharp is that a flat um he's like dude i can't even read music i don't know what you're talking about so and i'm like what like this guy who is so musically talented can't even read music really he, it's just all it's all in his brain right it's all in his skill which is baffling to me right um and i think w w one thing that that brings back to me is that like i always had this distaste for like um like for 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 practicing too much or you know um having to be so diligent at, at at playing soccer or having to practice so much for this concerto that i didn't even really like or having to do all these sprints right um when i was playing sports or giving these speeches when i was in my um religious setting and things like that right all these things i i felt like you know i wasn't doing it for me um and and, and that leads to resentment, right? That's why uh, for many years, I, I, I didn't read. For many years, um, I, I, I didn't pursue knowledge because I always had this distaste for it because of the way, you know, school makes you hate um, knowledge. College makes you kind of hate knowledge. And when you, when, when you have these pressures to accomplish things, it makes you hate that activity, right? And I, I, I feel like I always had this distaste for being that excellent in things. But now I realize when you truly have fun with something, you become excellent in it, like unknowingly, because you love it so much, right? Because it's a passion for you. So now I'm trying to pursue passions because I know passions are going to be something that brings me fulfillment, right? Another long-winded dialogue. So, um, but I hope all of these things resonate. So moving on, right? Always think about what you're doing. Okay, and and that's I don't mean to give advice, um, but I I charge people to think about what they're doing. Are you are you competing with someone else? Are you competing with someone to be married first? Are you competing with someone to have a kid first? Are you competing to be the most religious? Are you competing with someone around you, um, in a way that's not positive? Because most likely the people around you are quote unquote your good friends, right? Or the people you care about the most. Are you competing with them in a way that's not healthy, right? That's not going to promote positivity. Now there are there is healthy competition, right? I'll say me and the guys right now are kind of in a fitness challenge. Like we're all we're all sending each other um, updates on our workout plans, and we're all getting really into fitness. And I, I really like that because the more my my guys get into fitness, the more it charges me to. I mean, I've always been into fitness, kind of, but like the more it charges me to be excellent in fitness, right? Because they're my boys. I, I want I want to hang out with them. I want to talk to them about the same things. I want to I want to be part of this conversation. And it's nice that we're all doing positive things together. And even when we're not together, we're doing positive things almost together because we're connecting. Anyway, so coming back to the book here. Um, so Viktor Frankl um, asks prisoners this question. What irreplaceable losses have you suffered up until this point? So he says this. Health, family, happiness, professional abilities, fortune, position in society. These are all things that can be attained again, right? And he puts it at baseline. If your bones are intact, then you have nothing to worry about. So that leads me to charge to ask you guys, right, this question. What things are truly irreplaceable in your life? What are things that if you lost, you would fundamentally lose yourself? Something to think about, right? Um, I, I, I haven't done this exercise myself. But, you know, I think my fiance falls into that category. 
Um, I don't know what else does really, really, you know, I think if I, you know, was, let's say I was unable to live in my, um, current, um, apartment, you know, I'd probably find somewhere else to live. It'd probably be a shittier place, but I'd find somewhere to live, right? If I didn't have a car, I might, um, Uber places, you know, things like that. I could always find a workaround for things, but there's certain things that you cannot find a workaround for. And you'd be surprised, um, how small that number actually is. Um, going forward. So he says, Victor Frango says, one thing that no one can ever take away from you are your experiences. All that we have done, all of our great thoughts, and all of our sufferings, okay? So, you know, me, only positivity, I talk about pursuing life and experience in this next phase of life in, at the beginning of every podcast, right? And that is one thing that no one can take away from me, my memories, my experiences, um, the memories and experiences I've made with my fiance, with my guys, the places I've gone, the conversations I've had, um, the people who I've helped and those that have helped me, that can't be taken away. Um, those are all things that are embedded forever and ever. Um, but secondly, the way I respond to life's events, no one can take that away from me either, right? You do realize there is a distinct difference um, between people. And one of those main differences is the way people react to things, right? I'll say one thing. I feel like a lot a lot of people will go to someone who will not react negatively or not react at all because um, that's the one thing that people can truly, truly control, right? Um, am I going to react negatively to a situation or a stimulus or am I going to Am I going to react in a positive way? I, I, I often see that people will rely on those who are able to maintain their cool in situations, right? Not abrasive, um, not over the top, things like that. Um, you know, just rambling on here, but the, the lesson here is that no one can take away your reaction to a situation, right? So one thing that, an exercise that I personally do before I even read this book um, that Victor Frankl says is someone looks down on us in difficult hours, a friend, a wife, somebody alive or dead, and this person would not expect us to disappoint them. Okay. So now let, let me ask you guys if you've ever been in this situation. Okay. So this, this book goes through extreme examples, but I'm going to bring it back to my life. Okay. So let's say there's an example at work, okay, at work where I'm having um, a very difficult conversation with someone, okay? And someone's berating me. Um, someone is, you know, pointing out my flaws unnecessarily. They're just coming at me very hard in a group setting, right? And that's happened before. But one thing that my, my managers are always proud of me for, my fiance is always proud of me for, my friends are always proud of me for, in any situation, is that I calmly and collectively take that in and I don't react, right? I don't react in a negative way. I calmly react in a calculated fashion, right? Um, because it goes back to a lot of points we touched on. Everything in my universe is under my control, right? So I'm able to manipulate a conversation where somebody is berating me by keeping my cool, right? Um, I'm able to keep my cool during stressful situations um, by just rationalizing that becoming angry or over-emotional is, is not going to help the situation. And oftentimes, that, that is what I do to stay calm. I say, I, I, I am myself looking down on myself saying, hey, don't react to this. Or if you do overreact to this, you're going to disappoint that, over, that overarching you, right? I'm going to disappoint myself that's watching me, 
where I'm going to disappoint my fiance that's watching me, right? And even if they're not watching me, I think that they are because that holds me um, to professional um, excellence at all times. So um, let's go let's go further into like a deeper example. So you know. A couple of years ago, I ran my first half marathon, and it was grueling. It was really grueling. So mile one, I was smiling. I was listening to the music. I was almost dance running, you know. Mile two, same thing. Uh, mile three, like, you know, the frown is starting to start, starting to appear. And at mile four, I was like, oh, shit. You know, I have nine more miles to run of this, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. And so I told my fiancé to run ahead of me because she's in way better shape than I am. Um... But so I told her to run ahead of me. And so essentially, I thought about giving up many, many times, right? I thought, let me just walk this out. Like, what does it matter? But anytime I thought about stopping and walking, I just thought about how excited my fiance was going to be once I crossed the finish line and how proud of myself I would be um, once I crossed that finish line as well. That's an accomplishment um, of mine. And I look back on that and always say, wow, right? Even when um, the odds were stacked against you, even when you felt like quitting, you pushed yourself, okay? Um, but even right now, even right now with COVID, you know, COVID-19 going around, um, I personally um, I personally had to cancel my bachelor party. And I know, right? Like, like poor me, poor me, right? I had to cancel my bachelor party, blah, blah, blah. First of all, of course it is, you know? But, you know, I was really looking forward to it. I was really looking forward um, to my bachelor party. Um, and... As soon as I found out I couldn't go, I I ran through that question set in my mind, right? I can either accept this, I can change it, or I can remove myself. And I chose right away to accept that situation and say, you know what? I got plenty of travel ahead of me, right? Uh, I'm a young guy. I'm gonna we're gonna go on trips for for years and years and years to come. Okay? Um, I didn't I didn't personally lose any money. We got our, our all of our money back. And one thing. The guys, my boys, planned an amazing trip for me, right? They're all hyped um, about taking me somewhere. And um, I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. So if anything came out of it, it was something positive. But, you know, I just charge everyone um, to really think about the scenarios that they face um, in their day-to-day um, and how they can be excellent, right? And how they can hold themselves to a, a standard of excellence, but like I said, I'm no guru on this stuff. Um, just stuff that helps me keep my uh, mental peace throughout my day-to-day. Um, helps me peel back some of the layers of bullshit um, that life will throw at you. And really get a clear line of sight um, into what is important for you. So, you know, that's all I got for you guys today. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying these podcasts. Feel free to leave me any comments. And remember, only positivity. Thanks, guys.